Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 164 of Yoga Land. Hey everyone, it's Jason. And before Andrea and I talk today, I have a quick and shameless plug. My 300-hour teacher training program next year, 2020 in San Francisco at Love Story Yoga is up and registration is open. So module one is February 24th to March 7th. Module two is May 11th to 23rd. And then module three is July 13th to 25th. Of course, you can take all of the courses, all of the modules in one year. You can also spread them out over a longer increment of time. So the program's really built for you to do it a bunch of different ways. To learn more, go to jasonyoga.com slash schedule or lovestoryyoga.com. Today, I have my favorite person. I almost said one of my favorite people, Jason Crandall, here with me. I I switched it. I think my favorite person. I think you have other favorite. My people. favorite adult. Yeah. My favorite person. Would okay, be our I'll daughter. take it. Yeah. So hi there. Hi. We're going to talk today about something that I'm so curious about. We've gotten this question several times from different listeners, and we're finally tackling it. The question is, how do I prepare myself to audition to teach a yoga class? And. The interesting thing about this for me is that when I started teaching yoga, I didn't have to do any live auditions. I just went, met with the owner of the studio, told them what my training was, and they were like, sure, you're hired. Here's your class. That was a different time. (laughs) And I taught at four different places. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the same thing with me, but I hadn't even done a teacher training program. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's so funny how... like. My teacher is like, will you take these classes? And I, th- I thought, yeah, I'm, I don't have anything better to do. Yeah. It's so funny how we all sort of uh, wring our hands these days about how yoga is so unregulated, but it used to be like just the complete Wild West. Totally. Yeah. But it yeah. was just also on a much smaller scale. So I It was understand. a different scale and it, it was a word of mouth thing. So teachers asked you to take over their class, you know, and... In some ways, those were those were kind of good old days, but now we have we have many, 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 many more options as teachers. But also, studios have many, 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 many more options to select their teachers. Right. So studios are kind of in this position where they have to see you teach, unless you have a really strong track record, right? Like if we picked up and moved to Boston, my guess is that I have enough of a track record that I could get a job. And I wouldn't have to audition. But if you don't have a track record, then of course the studio needs to do some audition process. It's a challenging thing for everyone. And my stomach just folds over at the thought of having to do this. It's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. I don't really get nervous to teach anymore, but I did for a long time. But if I had to teach in front of a bunch of my peers, I'd be terrified. So for these auditions, is it typical that it's like a set up situation? So the studio owner's in the room and then a bunch of teachers are in the room? Yeah. So there's a bunch of different formats, but one of the most common formats is, let's say you want to get hired at Studio X and they say, okay, we have an audition on September 21st and you'll have a slot. So then what they do is the owner or the hiring manager 
is in the room, and then they might have somewhere between 10 and 25 teachers, and then each person gets a pose or two to teach, or each person gets a certain amount of duration to teach for. Sometimes you can choose, like kind of it's a, it can be a round robin, but other times it's chosen for you. So you're kind of drawn out a hat. It's like, okay, Andrea Ferretti, you're going to teach Anjane Asana and Crescent Lunge and Ginger Rose Crandall. You're going to teach Warrior Two and Warrior Three and Sophia Rose. You're going to teach like Hopscotch or whatever so, it is. So do you, okay. Do they give everyone the same amount of time? Yes. Okay. So it's either same amount of time or same amount of postures. But it's a pretty short increment of time. It wow. can be as anywhere from like three minutes on the low end to like six or seven minutes on the high end. Oh my gosh. So let's just have a m- moment to just commiserate on how demanding that is. It's like the opposite of a... Often when you go for a job interview, you're the sole person and then you have to talk to three people at the same time. It's the opposite of that. It's like... It is the opposite of that. So actually, there's group interviews too, though. Yeah. yeah. So it's like are. a group interview. It's like a group interview. Oh, which is so hard. Um, I'll say this, which is, you know, I've taught for a long time, but if you ask me to just jump up and teach a pose, I'm sure I can do it fine, right? But sometimes I think everyone that's listening that is a teacher, we know that sometimes it takes you a little while to settle in. Sure. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, especially I'll find this for me on a, It's kind of interesting for me on my Tuesday night class because Tuesday for me is the first day of the week that I teach. So if I have a weekend off, right, then that means I have plenty of work, but I haven't taught since Thursday. And probably all day Tuesday, I have been alone in a room doing work. So then all of a sudden, like, I arrive to teach a big class and it takes me a little bit of time to drop in. Yeah. You know what I mean? It takes me a little bit of time for my brain just to to start to verbalize. And to establish a rhythm. Yeah, the, the rhythm, I think, is a really yeah. big component, right? So this is, I will say, this is a difficult thing. Fortunately or unfortunately, the people that are hiring you, this is probably the main takeaway, they're mostly not looking for whether or not you can teach yoga. Okay, so what are they looking They're looking for? to see if you can relate to people. They're looking for your personality. But that's even scarier. No, I know that. I know that. But they're, but they're, but because so. Because if you're an introvert, your personality doesn't come you out. You can't, but way. the thing is, is you can't be an introvert as a yoga teacher. Well, I shouldn't say that. I am an introvert. However, when you are teaching a public group, you can't be introverted. Well, when, yeah. I mean, I think that that's, well, yeah. No, it's not. You have to be able to show up and you have to be able to command a room and you have to be able to make people feel comfortable. That's your job in a public setting. Right. But I would say that there are plenty of teachers who have a more introverted personality. And even the way they conduct a class is quieter and more introspective than like a razzle-dazzle extroverted. Uh, no, 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 no. You're not. I'm not saying you have to like do a song and a dance. I'm saying you have to be a leader. You have to walk in. You have to take command of that situation. You have to make it so that everyone in that room can hear your voice. You have to make eye contact with everyone in that room. And you have to do simple things in a decent way. 
So what I mean by this is like, let's say I have triangle pose, right? And my job is to teach triangle pose. A studio isn't looking for you to give them some technique that no one in the world has ever thought of in triangle pose. No one's asking you to like connect the third metatarsal with the greater trochanter. You know what I mean? They're just, they're not. I'm not saying they're not looking for technique, but you don't have to wow the world with your understanding of a posture. What you have to be able to do is you have to be able to make everyone in that room feel comfortable. And you have to be able to project and engage and relate. Because that's really the main thing that a studio manager is looking for in the development and maintenance of a student base. So really what those what that teacher is or what that owner or hiring manager is thinking is, is this person going to be able to make people feel comfortable for 60 minutes, engage with people for 60 minutes, introduce themselves to people, and kind of be a good and stable ambassador for the studio? They want you to know that you know what you're talking about, but that should be a given. You know what I mean? Like you should be able to give like four to six good, clear, insightful instructions on any given pose. The main point I want to make on this is you don't have to invent some incredibly minute thing and you also don't have to do a song and dance. You have to be able to just engage with an entire group and try to make people feel at ease and at home in their body. I mean, this is slightly beside the point, but I think that we were just sort of defining an introvert and extrovert differently. Like saying that you have to be a leader is different than saying you have to be extroverted. Being what My point is just that introverts tend to, and this is not, this is a generalization, but it tends to take them longer to warm up. You, I you agree were, with that. You were talking about yeah. how just going in and only having three minutes can be hard for anybody. And I think even I think even harder for an introvert. I'm just going to go out there and say that. Oh, I'm going to say that too. And you know, we are both introverts. Mm-hmm. But I have the extrovert ability in certain situations. I'm not putting... Ex- this podcast is not going to be about introverts yeah, and extroverts. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, but listen. Just accept what I said. No, no, no. But here's the thing. Is that you don't have the time. Like if you are an introverted person, you're going to have to deal with showing up quickly and immediately in a three-minute task. And that's a really hard thing to do. But the point is, is like, that might not be your temperament, but you have to make it your temperament for this particular little thing. And different people can do it very differently. And I'm not saying it has to be some big show, but you don't want to be too much of a fly on the wall. You have to bring it a little bit. I would say in if you do have your choice of what to teach, I think it's easier to teach something with rhythm because I think that it's easier to teach salutations. I would say, especially if you are an introvert, because the movement and the tempo of a salutation can help people that are a little bit slower to warm up drop in more quickly. And I'll even do this for me. Like if, if I'm just internally feeling a little disconnected from a class, 
what I find helps me make a greater connection is just get to tempo, right? Just teach a handful of sun salutations, not super technical, not super thinky, but drop into that tempo and rhythm of a class. So I think that can be the same thing with an audition is if you do have your choice, I think for a lot of people, they're able to drop in when there's when there is some movement there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think also phases of class that are a little bit more subtle or quiet or internal can make the teacher get a little bit more into their own head and a little bit less into directly relating to the individuals that are there in the room. So give an example. So like the last thing that I would want to teach would be like lead meditation. Oh. Or guided shavasana. And here's the thing I actually really like, and I know on Glow that my lead meditation does incredibly well. So I like doing lead meditation, but when I'm doing lead meditation, oftentimes people have closed eyes. Oftentimes my eyes are closed. You want to think about an audition as like the very beginning of a relationship, which means you have to actually directly relate to the kind of humanness of the people that are there. You want to make eye contact. You want to engage with people. And I think that that's a little bit more difficult to do if you're doing like the lead meditation or guided shavasana. Okay, so- Th- that isn't to say we're not connecting with them. We are, but it's more, more ephemeral. In yeah, some yeah. ways. I get it. Give me an example, though, of making eye contact and engaging with people while you're teaching yoga. Like, I don't make eye contact with my yoga teachers while I'm doing yoga. So, okay, so let's take it from the beginning. So if I were trying to get a job, if I were doing an, an audition, I would come in. And I would literally introduce myself to people that are in the room. Right. Like, hey, my name is Jason. Nice to meet you. Blah, 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 blah. So having that first moment where you don't just go kind of sit in the corner, but you become a little bit more proactive in how you relate and introduce yourself. I'll tell you, this is one of the main things that if a studio owner or manager sees you as the teacher taking the initiative, even if you have a class, if they see you take the initiative going and introducing yourself to everyone, they will be very happy. And your class is going to build quicker than anyone else's class. I guarantee it. Because you're taking that initiative to make people feel welcome. So when you walk into that audition room, it's nice to make eye contact, to engage, to introduce yourself. And then when you're teaching a yoga class, when it is your time, I think what I mean by making eye contact is you as the teacher are using your eyes on the students. Like you're looking around, you're walking, you're looking at them, you're seeing them. I'm not necessarily saying like you have some far off gaze within someone's eyes. Right. <laughs> but, but you're actually there, you're working the room, you're taking a leadership position And you're taking kind of a, what I would say is not an obnoxious role, but kind of a strong role. When someone gets to see you for three minutes, they're looking for whether or not you have presence. They are. So those 
opportunities in an audition where it's just easier to have more presence is, I think, a really helpful thing to project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a difficult question. Yeah. How do you think someone who maybe isn't fully comfortable because they're in an audition situation yeah. or they're a new, brand new teacher, how do you get into that space of projecting presence without feeling totally inauthentic? You probably have to feel totally inauthentic. It's kind of a little bit like marketing. Marketing needs to be authentic. And at the same time, it has to be able to draw someone in, right? And so when you're doing an audition, if you have a little bit more of a quiet temperament, that's okay. You might be a really amazing teacher, but let me, let me take it backwards and just say this. I can guarantee that every owner or manager listening is thinking my first concern is whether or not this person can hold the room. My first concern is whether or not this person can engage easily and comfortably with the students that come to class. My first concern is whether or not this person can project their voice. My first concern is, do I feel physically comfortable with this person's presence? And so those are the things, those are kind of the personality attributes that are being assessed much more than whether you know that the lateral border of the scapula lifts when the arm goes overhead. You know, so that that's kind of the main point that I want mm-hmm. us to get. And is that quote unquote fair to everyone? No, of course it's not fair to everyone. Does it honor everyone's archetype? No, of course it doesn't honor everyone's archetype. But it's an audition and it's three minutes. So you kind of have to be able to do those things first and then teach how you teach. So if I'm a if I'm a more kind of subtle and contemplative and reflective teacher, that's okay. I might have a big demand, but before and after class, I still better be able to say, hi, my name is. You know, the more quiet or introverted you are as a teacher, the more you just have to learn the social protocol of making people feel comfortable in a group environment. Like the reality is you are the leader of a group environment. So you have to do your best to help people in that room feel a little bit more at ease. And you might have to go outside of your comfort zone. But as a yoga teacher, if you can't go a little bit out of your yoga or out of your comfort zone, you're going to have a pretty short shelf life. And I'm not saying that I'm actually comfortable with these things, you know? These are kind of the parts of the job that some that don't come as easily to some, but you have to develop. So how about whether or not to offer manual adjustments? Oh, that's a good one. I don't know. I think I would inquire, actually. I think I would inquire with the manager whether or not in this environment they advocate for manual adjustments or if they have a policy on them one way or another. I would probably inquire. If manual adjustments are like accepted or appreciated in that environment and you feel comfortable with manual adjustments, absolutely. One of the reasons is that 
when you feel comfortable with manual adjustments, manual adjustments like eye contact in a social setting help to engage those two parties into the same current state, right? So if I am nervous and I feel comfortable with manual adjustments, then doing that manual adjustment is going to help me feel less nervous. It's going to make me feel more connected and more grounded. In a lot of ways, manual adjustments for people that are good at them and that enjoy them are similar to tempo for me in a flow class, that it's a way that people can drop in. But I would definitely inquire. If you are not comfortable with manual adjustments, don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just yeah. don't. like, or, or if you just read the room and it just doesn't quite feel like it's the right time or place, you know, fewer good manual adjustments are much better than more rushed or not good or uncomfortable manual adjustments. So if you read the room and you just feel like, oh man, now is not the time then don't do it and don't feel like you have to do it. Don't feel like you're beholden to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back to that question that I asked you about how to present yourself if you're feeling nervous. And I guess what I see you do, not so much that you put on a show, but that you kind of step into the role. Yes. And so I guess that's what I would a piece of advice I would offer people is even if it doesn't feel completely authentic yet, if this is the job you want, step into the job, assure yourself ahead of time, whether you're doing, whether you're breathing or meditating or just literally talking to yourself, like assure yourself that you know what you're doing, you can do this and that you're stepping into the, into the role. And, and I think also equally important, especially for someone who isn't naturally really outgoing and immediately charismatic, don't rush, yeah, right? I mean, big time. that you have to balance the bringing it with not being crazy and yeah. like over-instructing or rushing. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. So a couple things on that, right? So try not to be nervous about being nervous. Everyone is nervous. And let me tell you, the person hosting the audition is nervous. This is an inherently uncomfortable environment, but you're a yoga practitioner, you're a yoga teacher, so you can deal with it. You know, you just don't be afraid about being nervous. Just walk into it and acknowledge it. Don't apologize for it. Try not to tell people, like don't apologize for being nervous. Don't tell people you're nervous. If you make a mistake or gaffe when you're teaching, don't say I'm sorry, just pause and move on, you know? And then understand what are some of the things that we do when we are nervous. We tend to either shut down or over-accelerate. So you kind of have to have a sense of how you respond to nervousness. You have to figure out what do I need to do to get stasis here? So am I shutting down a little bit? Okay, pick up your chest, engage with someone, step into it. Are you overly adrenalized and over-accelerated? then you might think to yourself, okay, man, I'm going to complicate things. I'm going to try to tell them like 98 cool things about Warrior 2 in under six seconds, right? And so you kind of want to get to know yourself and just temper it. This is a perfect reason or set of reasons to keep your teaching simple. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Keep mm-hmm. it simple, keep it honest, like three to five good instructions in a pose where everyone can hear it, where they're well spaced out, where those instructions relate well to each other, and where you're actually using your eyes and seeing what's happening in the room. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we're ready to go to this point yet, but what do you do if you don't get the job in terms of do you follow up? Do you wait six months? Do you wait a year? Do you cry into your pillow that hate, night? Hate mail. Hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> troll, um, troll them. Don't troll them. You know, try again. Literally try again. Here's the thing, you guys. It's like, you're going to just have times where it's not the right fit or where you get dealt kind of a difficult deck. Maybe you do have a little bit more of a quiet personality that takes a while to get started. And and maybe they're only looking for one teacher and maybe there's three or four people in there that, you know, were just like the it people in teacher training program and boom. You know what I mean? That that's going to happen once in a while. You try again. Put yourself in a situation where you imagine how many auditions people take in a modeling world or in an acting world or in a singing world. You know, it's a lot. If this is what you want to do, it might take you a long time just to be good at auditioning. So this is the other thing to remember too. And I, I also want to make sure that I clarify this, which is, In an audition, your job is not to be a good yoga teacher. In an audition, your job is to be good at doing an audition. (laughs) That's that's kind of the point that I'm trying to make, right? It's like, it's not all about who you are and your value and depth and integrity as a teacher. That's going to come out over time. It's about how well you can encapsulate that in a three to six minute situation under stress. And it's kind of like this, right? It's like, I was always a really bad, bad test taker. Doesn't mean I think I'm dumb. I mean, my kind of, kind of. <laughs> no, my brain works really well with certain things and super not well with other things. <laughs> no, I, she gave me a look. Uh, but you know what my point is? Is like, in some ways, this is kind of like test taking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a very, very, very artificial thing that you have to just kind of figure out what are they looking for? They're looking for me to be sane, engaged, comfortable. I might have to fake it a few times till I make it. And then when I teach my class, some of those skills are going to carry over. But when you teach a class, it's going to be a much more a much better opportunity for the fullness of your personality to shine. Sure. And that includes the quiet parts of your personality. Mm-hmm. But when you're in when you're in an audition it's it's not. Yeah. So just in terms of like helping people with protocol and things like that. You find out you don't get the job. I would advise you follow up with an email just being really gracious and thanking them for the opportunity and then 
perhaps asking if they haven't already given you any, asking for some feedback of how you could improve. Yeah. And then letting them know that you would like to audition again when, I don't know, when they're, they feel ready yeah, to see you. Totally. And actually one thing to, that we haven't brought up is the reality is that most auditions are to get on a sub list. Mm, they're okay. not really even necessarily to get a time slot. I mean, it's going to depend on where you are. It's going to depend on the volume of the studio. But if you're auditioning in New York City or L.A. or Chicago or some major city at a big studio, you're probably auditioning for the sub list. Okay. You're probably not auditioning for a 6 o'clock Monday night time slot. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Or if not a sub list, you're auditioning for some, like, not good time slot. Right. Because that's just how it goes. Like, mm -hmm. the, that's the development curve of, of the livelihood. So then when you're on the sub list, then you have a much more comprehensive opportunity to be a really good instructor. Yeah. You know, and things that I look for, I mean, I really only pick people to sub for me who are students of mine or have done my training program. But that's only because I have a lot of students who have done my teacher training program. Years and years ago, when I hadn't graduated people from a teacher training program, I would look for people who were on the sub list who came up to who would come to my class and then introduce themselves to me and be like, hey, I really like class, even if they didn't. <laughs> hey, I really like class. I just got hired to the sub list. My name is Jenny or whatever it is. I'd love to sub for you if you're ever gone. Like, that's a really good strategy. Mm -hmm. Because then if I'm getting my own subs, like, how many calls or emails do I want to make <laughs> in order to get a sub? One. One. <laughs> yeah. One. Yeah. So if I don't already have a consistent sub, I'm going to go to the one that's top of mind. Mm -hmm. I always give the example of, you remember Robin Hall? Yeah. Okay. So I always give the example of Robin. When I was at the Bay Club, when I was the mind-body director for a few years, I remember doing payroll for like the last year doing payroll. And every single payroll, the person that was paid the most, that had the largest check, not most per class, it was pretty fixed, but the person that had the largest check, every payroll was Robin Hall. Robin Hall did not have at that time a single class on the schedule. But Robin Hall was so amazing and available. And like, dude, she was the most diehard sub. And she practiced there all the time. She hung out there all the time. And so, and students liked her, right? So if I had to go away or Betty had to go away or... You know, Evan. Are you telling me Robin never had a regular time slot? There? No, she may have had one okay. at the end. Okay. Because I mean, I, yeah, I saw her there all the time. No, 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 no. She didn't have a regular class wow. until the very end. Or like Evan would go away, right? Anyone that would go away, Robin was the first pick. Yeah. And because Robin, literally, Robin only subbed, but she was so available as a sub, she ended up teaching more classes in any pay period than anyone. Yeah. Right? And so obviously then when it was time for various teachers to move on, Robin had like an amazing track record. So she would be brought on to teach in a full-time slot. Mm -hmm. But the point I'm getting on this is 
getting hired for the through the audition for the sublist, that's the first phase. Then the second phase is being on the sublist and being a really active sub. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and if you're listening and you're thinking like, oh my God, this is so much work and so much running around, I know. <laughs> and it was in my memory of it, both great and relentlessly mentally and emotionally taxing. I remember subbing for Rodney. And when I used to sub for Rodney, like at Piedmont Yoga Studio, it's kind of a slightly different thing. But when I would sub for Rodney at Piedmont, where the teacher would sit in order to teach class, right? So you'd get there 15 minutes early, you'd have a seat. And where you would sit, you could see the door that people would enter the studio. And it was a, and it was a glass door. And on that glass door had a sign. There's a sub here tonight. Jason is subbing for Rodney today. And people would Or Jin Sung is subbing for Rodney today. Yeah. So you would just see, like... (laughs) (laughs) That's that's good for your character right there. Big time. Big time. If you can't handle that as a yoga teacher, good luck. Yeah. You know, I mean, here's the thing. You know, Rodney was Rodney. And especially at that time, he was one of, if not the only teacher that had like this major status as a yoga instructor, right? Whatever that is, right? We, we, We know what that is. But so those, like that was difficult, but everyone went through it. And the people that stayed, maybe out of desperation, you taught to the people that stayed, mm-hmm. not to the people that left. Right, right, right. You, know? you have to focus on. You have to focus on the people that are in the room, not the people that are not in the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And and you have to just keep doing that. You have to keep showing up consistently, consistently, consistently. Yeah. Right? And that, for me, led to a class at Piedmont Yoga Studio, which at that time was a, was a, a really big deal. That's where I met John Abbott, who at the time owned Yoga Journal. That's what started to establish a long relationship with me in Yoga Journal. So you just, as a yoga teacher, like, you know, you just never know where those little breaks are going to come from. You're never going to escape a ton of hard work and some kind of heartbreaking work. But those little breakthroughs come. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking when you were talking about how often people in, you know, acting and modeling and singing professions have to audition. I was thinking about, there are so many people. So I I mean, I'm a comedy junkie, right? Comedy nerd. So, and I did a lot of um, theater and stuff growing up. So I happen to know, I'm sure a lot of people know this, that there's an improv group in Chicago called the Groundlings. And, you know, if you want to be in comedy, that's one of the groups that you want to be a part of. There's other ones now too, but that's a really old one. And so you would move to Chicago and you would be in the Groundlings and, you know, it produced people like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And I mean, so many, so many people that end up going to Saturday Night Live. So it's almost like a feeding ground, right? Yeah. For Saturday Night Live. I'm sure the producers and the and the run showrunner go to, to the Groundlings and start auditioning people. And you think about what about the Groundlings that don't, make it onto Saturday Night Live. And there are two comics that I do know of who auditioned who didn't make it. One is Lisa Kudrow. And then another one is 
Jennifer Coolidge, who plays in Legally Blonde. She's like in everything. She's oh, in yeah, all yeah, of yeah, the. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. She was in Best in Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was the one in Legally Blonde who teaches Elle Woods to bend and snap. So she was also someone who auditioned for Saturday Night Live and didn't get on the show. And so you look at them and it's like they have their own career trajectories. They figured out where they fit in. They figured out what roles worked for them, even if they didn't get to that thing that they probably wanted and had imagined their entire lives, right, was going to happen for them. And it didn't happen. Yeah. So, you know, I was saying this to, you know, one of my students, Jack Workman, right? And Jack did my 200-hour training when he was 15. He's 23. He did my 300-hour training. He's teaching a ton, right? He's awesome. And we were talking the other day, and I kind of, I said this mostly as a joke because he was just talking about running around and like, was it this, he was like, was it this hard for you? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, of course it was, my God. Are you kidding me? And I said, I said, look, look in San Francisco. And this, I said this joking because I don't mean to take anything away from Stephanie Snyder, Janet Stone and myself. But I was like, I was like, look at Steph, Janet and I. I'm like, maybe we're just popular because we survived this. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you, you know it what I mean. Like a lot of yeah, fortitude. It takes fortitude, a lot of fortitude, right? right? So obviously, we we we're we're gifted in our ways, and you know what I mean. We're super committed, but also we survived it. Yeah, and well, we're you, still surviving. You persevered. Yeah, we persevered, right? Yeah. And you know, did Janet and Steph and me like run around? Yes. Are oh we still God. running around? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I run around the world. Janet runs around the world. Steph runs a okay. little bit around the world. And but she runs a, she runs big a studio. studio. Yeah. You know, so it's like to persevere in this, in this livelihood doesn't really mean to take it easy. No. And I mean, that's just not that way with any career. It's not. It's no. not. Yeah. But, but where it's different with yoga is I don't think in yoga everyone got that memo. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like this. If you were like, if you graduated from law school and you were in like year five and you're like, you talk to like a, a, an equity partner and we're like, Jack and Jenny, did you have to work this hard five years in? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But in that line of work, you wouldn't be surprised. Right. You know what I mean? Like the junior partner wouldn't be surprised, but the person five years into teaching full time, running around from studio to studio, they're surprised. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, it, I want to just say I think that the, that this is in part because of something that we've talked about often, which is that people conflate doing yoga with teaching yoga. Yes. Right? They think that teaching is going to be sort of that same feeling of that same feeling tone of just like relaxation and openness and freedom and right. And it's, it's not, it's a job. Yeah. Capital J. But I think it's also that, I think it also has to do with um, entrepreneurship and that people see any entrepreneurial job. They look at the end, the end point and they don't know how much went into it leading up to, right. Or I shouldn't say the end point, but you know, they look at like the peak of a career and they don't they don't know what a slog it was at no. first. And I will add that there is more freedom in an entrepreneurial role than in a typically there is more freedom than in any kind of yeah, I agree with that. corporate or desk 
job. Yeah. Having worked like in a structure for a long time and having tried to get certain jobs and certain positions and being passed over for bizarrely political reasons at bizarre times, there is more freedom. And so I think people also see that and they're just like, I want that, I want that, I want that. Totally. Yeah, like you said, they don't necessarily realize that it's super unglam to start out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So recap. Audition time, bring it. And I don't mean like... I don't think I've ever heard you say that. Do a song and dance, (laughs) but step into it, own it, be commanding. Work it. And be just, just be kind of clear and simple, right? Don't try to wow people just like... Make it appear like you have a good head on your shoulders. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that you can deal with a group full of people that you don't know and do it well. Mm -hmm. Then once you get on the sub list, if you're trying to make this as a career, you you got to hustle and you probably have to hustle for a longer period of time than you think. And that's it. And then you'll be rich and famous and everyone will love you forever and you won't ever have to work. And you'll have a rescue chihuahua. No, you might have a rescue chihuahua, but you won't have those other things. And if you don't get that job at that studio that you really, really, really want, just picture yourself as Jennifer Coolidge. (laughs) Yeah. That's the the end of, that's the moral of my story. Yeah. Um, I did get the job already, but I still picture myself as Jennifer Coolidge. I picture you kind of as Jennifer Coolidge too. Good. I never I told like you that it. before, but like, so let's take this offline. We'll talk right. about it a little more. Okay. So there you have it. I hope that was helpful. And I should have said this at the top of the interview, but I would love to hear people's yoga audition stories the more absurd or embarrassing, the better, because that's just how I roll. I just like to share the funny stuff in life. So if you're up for it, if you feel brave, post your story on Instagram and use the hashtag yogalandstories and I will look for it and I will repost the good ones, okay? Here's the thing. If you survived it, it's just all material. That's what Nora Ephron used to say. And what else did our mothers say to us? Like, it builds character, which is true. The Buddha would say it builds character. I'm going with that. Okay, everyone, until next week, enjoy your practice. Mm -hmm.